amen, amen. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, and I'm sure that you do, would you please take them out and go to Exodus chapter 15. Let's do that this morning. I hope that you have been having a, a great week and a great summer so far. Um, just really, you know, just a couple more weeks till school gets back. Amen? All right, maybe not. That's all right. Exodus chapter 15 is where we are going to be this morning as we're continuing our series um, on Lord, I Want to Know You. We are studying uh, the names of a God. And so, you know, um, I am not what you would call a, a fix-it kind of guy. I am not what you would call a handyman. Um, I don't have many blisters or calluses on my hands. You get the drifts? I'm soft, that's what it means, I'm soft. But uh, my, my wife is a really, really good fixer, but uh, this past week as I was preparing for this message, I came across a flow chart that pretty much sums up my abilities as a handyman and probably some of your abilities as a handyman. Uh, let's check this out. Here's a great flow chart. <laughs> this is studied, it's true, that here's the question, does it move? If the answer is yes, you go down, should it move? And the answer is yes, no problem. But if the answer is no, what do you use? <laughs> Duct tape, pretty good. I like that, it's my, my abilities. Uh, back to the top, does it move? No, should it? No, no problem. But should it move and it doesn't, then you use what? How many of you would agree with that flow chart that that is accurate? That's pretty good. Well, I, I am not very good at, at fixing things, but, um, but, but, you know, there are things that can fix things, like duct tape and WD-40. But, but let me ask you a question this morning. Where do you run when you need things fixed in your life? Where do you run when things don't work like you think they ought to work? Who do you turn to? When you hear the words cancer, where do you run? When you hear that a relationship is broken, where do you run? When you've been abused emotionally, physically, relationally, where do you run when those wounds, they just won't heal? Do you turn bitter? Do you complain? Or do you run to the Father? The name of God that I want us to study this morning is a name that I've become very familiar with, and many of you as well, and that's the name Jehovah Rapha, the Lord our healer. Uh, my definition for Jehovah Rapha, uh, adding on to what uh, the word Rapha means, which means to heal, and, and I believe this about Jehovah Rapha, and we'll study this this morning, but Jehovah Rapha is the Lord who heals by taking your bitter situations of life and makes them sweet. How many of you in this room, you've ever been in a bitter situation? I think we all would agree that we've all been in a bitter situation, and the reality is we're probably going to be in another bitter situation pretty soon. Well, let's look at our text this morning, Exodus chapter 15, verses 22 through 27, and if you're with me this morning, say amen. amen. 
Amen. Well, Exodus chapter 15, verses 22 through 27. I preached on these verses exactly one year ago as I was preparing for my third round of chemotherapy. And you may be saying, Pastor, why are you preaching on this text again? Well, I can say this. It's one thing to preach um, on a bitter situation when you're working through a bitter situation. But it's something different when you're preaching on a bitter situation when you've come through that bitter situation. And you know the one who can make all things sweet. And so I want us to look at this God who's revealed himself to us as Jehovah Rapha, the one who heals. Now let me give you a little context here to what this text is talking about and where the name Jehovah Rapha comes from. Now you know the context. The context is this. The Israelites, they've just crossed through the Red Sea and Moses in chapter 15 verse 1 is, is singing a song of victory. He says in verse 1 of chapter 15, I will sing to the Lord. He's, he's highly exalted. The horse and its rider he is hurled into the sea. He is singing about the great things that God has, has done. And he is doing this and he's bringing glory and honor to the, to the name of God for delivering them. As a matter of fact, in, in Exodus 14, 31, the Israelites, after crossing through the Red Sea, it says this, they, uh, they feared God and they wanted to follow God with everything they had because he did this great thing. He delivered them through the Red Sea. It was a great spiritual victory. And now we have Moses. He has three million people with him, millions of animals with him. And now they've crossed the Red Sea, and now what do they do? And here's what God is going to do. He's going to take them into the wilderness. Let's look at our text. We're going to read verses 22 through 27, and I want you to listen for a certain phrase um, as I read this text, and let me give you a clue. It's not the phrase, the Lord, your healer, but it's going to point to that. Pick up in verse 22, and it reads, Then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea, and they went out into the wilderness of Shur. And they went three days in the wilderness, and they found no water. When they came to Marah, they could not drink the waters of Marah, for they were bitter, therefore it was named Mara. So the people grumbled at Moses. Isn't it amazing about us as people that we always want to grumble at somebody for a problem? Isn't that just human nature? We want to find somebody to blame them. Well, they start grumbling at Moses, and they said, what shall we drink? In verse 25, and then he cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree, and he threw it into the waters, and the waters became, what's that word? Sweet. And there, there he made for them a statute and regulation, and there he tested them. And he said, if you will give earnest heed to the voice of the Lord your God, and do what is right in his sight, and give ear to his commandments, and keep all his statutes. I will put none of the diseases on you which I have put on the Egyptians, for I, the Lord, am your healer. Healer, Jehovah Rapha. In verse 27, and then they came to Elam, where there were 12 springs of water and 70 date palms, and they camped there beside the waters. Did you catch that one phrase that I was uh, pointing out to? Look back at verse number 25, and it's the phrase, and there he tested them. When we come to learn about Jehovah Rapha, we come to know God by that name through 
tests. We come to know God as Jehovah Rapha through tests. If you want to write this down, write this down. God reveals himself through tests. Now, I don't know about you, I don't like tests. Anybody in here like tests? No, I don't think so. I, I, I don't like tests, but what we know from Scripture is that one of the ways that God reveals himself to us is through a test. One test after another. You think about it, life is nothing but a series of tests. We have big tests, we have little tests, we have long tests, short tests, major tests, minor tests. But here's the good news about tests. Every test has a purpose. Every test that God brings our way, there is a purpose for that test. Turn with me to the New Testament book of James. Go all the way with me, all, all the way with me to almost the end of the New Testament. The book of James, right after the book of Hebrews. James chapter 1, James helps us to understand why we have tests and why we go through difficult things and why we go through bitter situations. Look in James chapter 1, verses 2, 3, and 4, and it's on the screen behind me as well. But look at what James says. He says, consider it all joy my brothers and sisters, when you encounter, encounter various trials. Now, wait a second. James is saying that we are to consider it joy when we go through all types of trials? Yes. We are to consider it all joy when we go through difficult things. Now, that does not make sense, does it? That does not make sense, but look at what James says. He continues on to verse 3, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Verse 4, and let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. And so God says through James, he says, I'm going to test you. You consider it all joy because when I test you, when I bring you to the bitter waters of Mara, and everybody will come to the bitter waters of Mara. Everybody will go through a test. What James says, and what we need to comprehend, that we need to understand, is that God is saying, I want to use this test in your life to mold you, to shape you, to remove things from your life, to add things to your life, and this is all for your good, according to Romans 8, 28, that God can use all things for good to the glory of God. Now, that's hard to understand. Would you be in agreement with that? That's hard. It's hard to believe that tests, that bitter waters can be for our good and for his glory. That's hard to understand. But here's the good news, is that God wants you to pass this test. He wants you to pass with flying colors. Um, it, you, you probably had, like I did, you probably had some teachers that, that you were certain they wanted you to fail the test. Anybody remember that teacher? They wanted you to fail a test. They made the test as hard as they possibly could, and you could, it was going to be hard. My favorite type of test growing up were open book tests. Can I get an amen on that one? <laughs> the open book test. Students, you don't know what a book is, all right? Um, but uh, on the iPads and all that jazz. But uh, open book test. Remember, you'd go highlight things, and it's even great if the answer's in the back of the book, but that's always good. But those open book tests... Those are good things. Well, the good news about God's test in your life is, 
Yes, he wants you to pass the test, and the good news is he's already given us the answers. Every single thing that you and I go through, don't you listen to me, every single thing that you go through, physical, emotional, relational, spiritual, psychological, every bitterness that you go through, all the answers are found right here. God's word, when you spend time in God's word, you will see that God will provide you an answer. God will provide a healing for you. Folks, there is, there's example after example after example of men and women of faith who go through difficult things. They go through hard things. And the writers of the New Testament says that everything that happened in the Old Testament was written for our encouragement so that we could learn from their example of how we are to continue on on the straight and narrow even though bitterness can come our way or that bitter waters can come our way. Well, it's in our text back in Exodus chapter 15. It's in our text that the Israelites have come to a bitter situation. And it's in this situation, here's the context, a bitter situation where God reveals himself as Jehovah Rapha. God our healer. God reveals himself as the one who can heal, but he does it in a bitter situation. What can we learn about Jehovah Rapha? when we come to a bitter situation so that we can receive his healing. Let me share with you three ways, and this, this, this doesn't cover everything about healing, but just within our context, I wanna share with you three ways um, that we can receive God's healing when we come to bitter situations in our lives. Number one, when we come to bitter situations in our life and we want, we want to receive healing, we need to do this. We need to recognize God's sovereignty. We need to recognize that God is sovereign. What does that mean? It means this, God is in control. Everything that you can ever think of, God is in control. Well, pastor, how do you know? How do we know that God is in control of everything? Well, one, he created everything. God created everything. He created nature. He sustains nature. When God wants to overrule nature, he brings about a miracle. Why? Because God is over all. God is in control of history. The word tells us that the history, that the world, we're heading to a climax when Jesus is going to return. And there are things that have to happen in life, in this world, that are pushing forward to Jesus returning. How do we know this? It says in his word? Is it going to happen? Yes, it's going to happen. Why? Because God is in control. The Bible says this about you, that he's in control of everything in your life. The Bible says this, God knew exactly when you would be born, where you would be born, to whom you would be born to, and how long you were going to live. God knows every single thing about your life, good, the bad, and the ugly. He knows everything. Nothing happens to you without our God knowing what's going on in your life. He knows everything because he is sovereign. And so when we come to our text in verse number 22, look at this. Listen to the sovereignty of God here. 
Verse 22 says, Then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea, great victory, and they went out into the wilderness. They went three days in the wilderness. They found no water. And when they came to Marah, they could not drink because it was bitter. In other words, here's the context. In other words, God Almighty allowed the Israelites to come to a bitter situation. Do you get it? Are you with me? God allowed the Israelites. God led them to a bitter situation. Is that possible? Can God, after a major victory, lead his children through the desert on a horse with no name? Bonus points for anybody who knows the band who sang that song. Anybody know? America, 1972. On a horse on the desert, on a horse with no name. Is that possible? Can God do that? Absolutely he can. Can God in his sovereignty, listen, can God in his absolute sovereignty, in his omnipotence, can God lead his children, his people, called sons and daughters of God, can God, a sovereign God, lead his children to a place where there is no water? Yes, he can. So pastor, you're meaning to tell me, you're meaning to tell me that God can allow and maybe even lead somebody to experience abuse as a child? You mean God can allow his children to feel rejection from from family and from friends? You mean to tell me, pastor, that God can allow these things for his own children to come into their lives that are painful physically, emotionally, relationally, spiritually, and psychologically? Are you telling me that's what can happen from our God? It's exactly what I'm saying. exactly what I'm saying. God can do that. God can lead you into the wilderness. Uh, Turn back with me in Exodus chapter 13. Go to Exodus 13. Look at verse number 17. This is... So this is before they cross the Red Sea, and God is going to lead his people. So look at Exodus 13, verse 17, and just listen to what God does here. Verse 17, now when Pharaoh had let the people go, God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines. Jump down to verse number 18. God led the people around by the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea. You see it? You see what happens there? Can God lead us into the wilderness? Can God lead us in a path that doesn't seem seem good? Listen, folks, when the Israelites came through the Red Sea, there was a shortcut to the promised land. There was a shortcut to God's promised land, the land flowing with milk and honey. It was along the coastline. Where there was water, there, where, there was, where there was food, there were, where, there was, where there was cities, where there was, it could have been a few days travel just right up the coastland from Egypt up the coastland of the, of the Mediterranean to get into the promised land. God could have led them the easy shortcut way. 
But for some reason, for some reason, God said here in chapter 13, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. For, for you, Israelites, I'm not going to do that. Now, other people can do it. You can't. I'm going to lead you into the wilderness. I'm going to lead you the long way. Why? Did you ever ask God that question? <laughs> It'll be one of the first questions we ask God when we see him, right? Why? And he'll say, because. <laughs> And you will say, okay. <laughs> right? But seriously, why? Why? Look at Exodus 14, verse 4. And God tells them why. In Exodus 14, verse 4, it says this. God says, I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will chase after them. And listen to what God says. And I, God, will be honored through Pharaoh and all his army, and the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. Do you see it? Do you see why God is leading the people of his own, his children? Do you see why he's leading them in the wilderness? It's for his name's sake. It's for his glory. So that everybody will know that he is God. Wow. So pastor, are you still saying it's possible for God to allow me to go through pain, to go through difficulty, to go through, uh, to go through adversity? Absolutely. And God was right there with them all along the way. Folks, when you come to a bitter situation, whatever that may be in your life, one of the first steps in accepting his healing is you recognize that he is sovereign and he is in control. You know, last year when I heard the words cancer, and many of you have heard these words as well, and, and you have a similar story, I was shocked. I was devastated. It's not what I signed up for in my life. Many of you have said those same things when you get this bad news or you get wounded in a way. You say something like, God, this is not what I signed up for. It's not what I want. I remember one of the first things that came to my mind when I found out, and it was this. The first thought was this, I'm going to beat this. And then Angela and I went to doctor after doctor after doctor after doctor. And we came to the conclusion that we're about to go through a wilderness and it's going to be costly. Costly physically, emotionally, many other things but folks as as i began to process these things as i began to process why this has happened why me why why this god i this is not what i want why i came to the realization i came to the conclusion that god is sovereign And that nothing happens outside of his control. That God's not blind to when bad things happen. 
when somebody pulls out in front of a loved one and there's a crash, God's not oblivious to that. God has not turned his face away. God is not closing his eyes saying, oh, I hope I don't see this. I don't know what's coming next. No, God is sovereign. He knows exactly what's going on. And, and you think about the life of, jo- uh, of, of Joseph. Joseph, ridiculed by his brothers, sold into slavery. Um, he's then um, uh, accused of, of sexual misconduct. He's thrown into prison. But then he's then elevated to second in command. And, and you read the story of Joseph, and you realize it's all part of God's bigger plan. Joseph had to go through a bitter situation to get where God wanted him to be. Then you think about Job. Job lost everything, his family, his livestock, his home. The only thing he didn't was his wife. You got to question her. <laughs> you got to question why God left her. But, but Job, he goes through pain. He goes through bitter situations. And he comes to the conclusion, God, you got a bigger plan than I do, and I have to submit to that. So listen, whenever pain comes your way, whatever it may be, whether it is a physical pain and you need healing, whether it is an emotional pain and you need healing, whether it's relational pain and you need healing, you name it, whatever it is, whatever it is, you need to understand this about God and his sovereignty. Everything that happens, it sifts through his hands before it comes to you. Does that make sense? And if it sifts through his hands to come to you, that means that God's got a big plan in store for you. I, uh, once I began to realize that, once I began to focus in on his sovereignty and knowing that all things went through his hands, do you know what I I began to do in my own life? I began to consider myself lucky. that God would choose me to go through suffering. I began to consider myself lucky. So then in my mind, I would say something like that. God chose me, nana, nana, boo, boo, I have cancer and you don't, yes. (laughs) It sounds crazy, but the reality is that's what God chose for me. Are you with me? There was um, um, a man in our church by the name of Bill Stinger who just passed away recently. Many of you know him. Bill and I had a similar type of cancer. And uh, we were going through treatments together, and I remember sitting in Beach Hall with him um, several, several months ago, and um, we had both had big plates of food in front of us. Neither one of us could eat. Uh, But we were just staring at the food, and... and, uh, we were both a little bit down, but you know, I just began to look at Bill, and I said, Bill, do you realize, do you realize how lucky we are? In God's sovereignty, he considered both of us, he considered both of us worthy to go through colorectal cancer together. How crazy is that? I mean, that's just, I'm just gonna, let's just give each other new names. And so I started thinking of thing one and thing two, <laughs> right? So I called Bill lucky number one and me lucky number two, just because 
in God's sovereignty, in God's omnipotence, his, his, his omnipresence, his, his omniscience, in everything that he is, he allowed this to happen to us. And you gotta consider yourself lucky if God allows that to happen in your life. It's the same with you. You say, Pastor, that's, you're, you're crazy in what you're thinking. No, no, I'm not, because God is sovereign. And everything you go through, it goes through his hands before it comes to you. Now here's the question. Does that take away the pain? Ha! <laughs> I wish, don't you? I wish that took the pain away, but it doesn't. But he's still God, and he still got you right where he wants you. You want healing, you come to recognize that God is sovereign. Are you with me? Is this hard? This isn't easy, is it? This is tough stuff because there are some bad, horrible, no good things that we go through. And sometimes it looks like evil wins. Amen? Sometimes it feels like evil has just overcome good and you wonder why. But if you believe, as the world wants you to believe, that God is non-existent and that he does not, and he's not near, then you just need to go off and say, man, then just throw up your hand and say, I'm done. But if you believe that God is God and that he is Jehovah Rapha, you will believe that he is sovereign and he has all control under his hands. And you can rest assured that he's going to take care of it. Is it going to be difficult? Are you going to cry? Are you going to feel lonely? Is it going to hurt? Yes. But that doesn't mean that God's not there. You trust him. You trust his sovereignty. Well, let's look at our text. Well, this is heavy stuff, isn't it? But God brings the Israelites to this bitter situation, this bitter water. And he does it, he allows it to happen. When we come to verse number, verses number 24 and 25, and we see the Israelites do one thing and Moses do another thing. And what God is wanting to point out to us, that it matters how we do respond to bitter situations. And I want you to write this down. We are to receive his healing when we trust in God's sovereignty. We need to pray without complaining. Now you may be thinking, Pastor, you're asking way too much. I agree. But look at what the Israelites did, verse 24. So the people, what's that word? They grumbled. This is the first time the word grumbled is mentioned in the Old Testament. Is this going to be the last time we hear the Israelites grumbling? No. Is this going to be the last time you hear the people of God grumbling? No. Are you ever going to grumble again? Probably. 
Now, there's nothing wrong with them asking the question, what shall we drink? That's a good question. There's no water. The water is bitter. That's a good question. What Scripture is referencing to, what God is wanting to reference to, is what's going on inside of their heart. God, for whatever reason, uses the word grumbled, which points out the, the, uh, uh, their heart condition. They're not asking Moses, oh, Moses leader, can you tell me where the water is? No. They're going after Moses. Where's the water? Where is it? Now, you know what I find interesting about their attitude is what happened three days earlier? What happened three days earlier? They crushed through the Red Sea. I mean, a miracle of miracles. Salvation has taken place. And three days later, they have forgotten all the great things that God has done. Isn't it amazing that bitter situations can do that in your life? That as soon as something bitter happens, as soon as that word comes, as soon as abuse comes, as soon as tragedy comes, man, you forget what God has done in the past. And when we begin to grumble, bitterness sets in. And I will say this, when you grumble and bitterness sets in, guess what's not going to come your way? Healing. And so we have an example of what not to do. Now look at verse 25, and we see an example of what we need to do. And then look at verse 25, and it says this, And then Moses cried out to the Lord. He cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree, and he threw it into the waters, and the waters became sweet. What did Moses do in the midst of a bitter situation? He prayed. He cried out to God. He listened to God. And listen, when bitter, when bitter situations come, when, when tragedy strikes, when, when, when disease comes, when, when, when death comes, when abuse comes, what you do is you go to the sovereign God, you hit your knees, and you begin to pray, and you cry out to him. You cry out to him. He wants to know. He wants to hear from you. And the great thing about God is this, and you read the rest, you read 25, and it says, the Lord, he cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree, he threw it into the waters, and the waters became sweet. God healed. God healed the water so that the water could, they could drink the water. God healed. But it's because they prayed. When you need healing, you pray. James talks about that, and we, we can talk about that at a later moment, but if you need healing in your life, you have two options. You, you can complain, or you can pray. I've, I've had a lot of people ask me this question. Say, Pastor, how did you get through what you're going through? I had two options. Either I don't, or I do. I don't want to complain. So therefore, I'm going to pray and we're going to press forward. Is that easy? No. But I trust in God. Amen? You still with me this morning? You got about 35 more minutes? No, sir. When bitterness comes, you recognize God's sovereignty. You pray without complaining. And here's number three, and they're going to be done. 
Healing comes about when you do it God's way. What does that mean? Look at verse 26, and let me tell you what this means. Verse 26 says this. He said at the end of verse 25, he says, this is a test for you. In 26 he says, if you will give earnest heed to the voice of the Lord your God, and you do what is right in his sight, and you give ear to his commandments, and, he keep, and you keep all the statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you, which I have put on the Egyptians, for I, the Lord, am your healer. What is God saying to his people? God is saying to his people, if you do things my way, I will be your healer. Don't do it the old way. Don't do it the way you did it in Egypt who served all of their other gods. No, 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 no. When you come through salvation through the Red Sea, you come to a bitter situation. Here's what God says. You listen to me. You stay faithful to me. You listen to my voice. You read my word and you obey what I say. You do what I've asked you to do. You stay the course. You don't give up. You stay the course. God, this really, really hurts. This is painful. I know, my child, but you stay the course. God, I don't know if I can make it without my loved one. I, I, God's saying, yeah, I get that, but, but you stay the course. If you want my healing, if you want what I can do for you, then you've got to do what I've asked you to do. You stay the course. You trust me. You hang in there. And when you do that, I will prove myself to you over and over and over and over and over and over again so that the nations will know that I am God. Now, pastor, are you saying that if I, if I obey God and I do all the things that, that ultimate healing on this side of eternity is going to happen? Maybe. Maybe not. But we do know that one day, ultimate healing is going to come. When we will all pass from this earth, and we will see our Savior face to face, then our ultimate healing is going to come. So then, Pastor, why does he heal some people and some people he doesn't heal on this side of eternity? Well, you got to come back next week to find that answer out. <laughs> does anybody know the answer to that question? Do you know the answer to that question? I don't know the answer to that question. I've read Genesis through Revelation. I don't know the answer to that question. All I know is that God is sovereign. He can do as he pleases, but he has a plan. And he has a plan for your life. And for some of us, it's bitterness. It's wounds. It's difficulties. It's sickness. Doesn't mean God doesn't love you. It just means he's got a plan for you. And you just have to trust him. And you obey him from this point on. You do what he says. Because here's what happens. I'm going to close with this. I know I said that 25 minutes ago. But look at verse 27, and really I'm done. But look what happens at the end of this story. 
They've been bitter. God reveals himself to them as Jehovah Rapha. He says, you do what I say. Then look at verse 27. Then they came to Elam, where there were 12 springs of water and 70 date palms, and they camped there beside the waters. And so what we see in verse number 27 is we see this, is we see that they have all the nourishment that they need. Here's a question. How far is Elam from Marah? How far is is the oasis of water, how far is it from, from, from the bitter waters? How far is it? You look up a map, and it's exactly five miles. Which means this. Your healing is right around the corner. Don't stop at the bitter waters. You keep on. Because God has a plan. It can be bitter waters for now, but just around the corner, there's the oasis where you will find all the nourishment that you will ever need, and you can be healed. Amen? Let's pray together. Father, we come before you. Father, I thank you for Jehovah Rapha. I thank you that you are the God who, who leads us through tests. And that when you lead us through tests and through bitter waters, that you didn't leave us alone. You didn't leave us, leave us to go through it alone, but rather you have been with us all the way. You allowed it to happen, and, and, and you're there. Father, I pray that that would bring great comfort to people today. That as they walk through difficult moments, that they would know that you are there. And that you are here. And that you have a plan. And I pray, Father God, that you would reveal yourself as the one who heals. And that even as we hear your word today and as we've worshiped and as we pray, God, I ask that you would heal these wounds that many people have. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.